Hey everyone, and welcome to another Yogi Misfit session. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I'm your host. Welcome to episode 35. On today's show, I have Darren Main. Uh, he is a yoga author. He's a yoga teacher. Um, he's well known for a bunch of his books that he has out, uh, Yoga and the Path of the Urban Mystic. Um, today, we're going to talk a little more about uh, one of his other books, uh, The Yogi Entrepreneur. He just redid it because um, obviously, you know, things have changed. And so it's a great reference tool on just where to get started if you want to do yoga full time, if you want to teach. And, and it gives you a really good backbone on like things to, to research. Um, I enjoy talking to him so much. He's got a lot of just wise words um, as he's been doing this for a bit. Um, so I hope you enjoy the show. And of course, if you do enjoy the show, please make sure to leave a comment um, or a review and to um, tell your friends about it. All right. Hi, Darren. Welcome to the show. Hey, Danny. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I can't complain. I had my first rainy day with my son snuggled up in bed with me this morning, so it was perfect. Oh, not yeah, that's right. We haven't gotten rain in a little while, so it's nice to actually have some. Yeah. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm really excited. I'm super stoked that you're on the show. <laughs> It was a little bit of a minute to, to buckle each other down because we're both so busy, but I'm really, really glad to have you here. So I'm gonna dive, uh, I'm gonna dive right in, Darren. So you've written a ton of books, you teach a ton of yoga. You've been doing this for how many years? Oh, I've been doing yoga for like 30 years now. Okay, but how if you're so, only 25? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's just all about Botox. <laughs> well played. Um, no, I can't afford Botox on a yoga teacher salary. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I get it. <laughs> so you've been you've been doing yoga for like thirty years, and um, you started writing yoga books. Like, when did your first yoga book actually come out? Uh, well, my first book was not technically about yoga, though that was certainly a big part of it. It was about the Wizard of Oz as a sort of spiritual metaphor. And that came out in 99. And then my Urban Mystic book came out in 2000. Um, so they came out pretty back-to-back, -back, 2000, 2001, in that area. So, yeah, the Urban Mystic's been out for a long time. It's in its fourth edition now. Awesome. And now you uh, – so you just recently rewrote um, the, uh, the Yogi Anji Preneur, right? You gave it a, a little beef up. Um, yeah, I just lost you for a second. I said you uh, you just recently um, started working on your newest edition of the Yogi Entrepreneur. Yeah, you gave it a little beef up. Yeah, I just released it and I finally got it out as an audio book, which makes me so happy. Um, I when I became a dad, you know, like my time for reading, you know, I'd have time at night and then I'd fall asleep like one page in. And so I started getting really into audiobooks and doing the dishes and doing the laundry and everything, listening to books on yoga philosophy and stuff. So um, I was sort of committed this year to get all my books out as audiobooks, and I've only got one left. But um, Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, getting um, 
Yogi Entrepreneur out was particularly important to me because I feel like yoga teachers really um, there's so much that goes into being a yoga teacher that isn't in the classroom and that isn't covered in teacher training. You know, like mm-hmm. how do you market yourself? How do you engage your students in this new world of Twitter and Facebook and podcast? Good job, Danny, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know how do you how do you engage people and 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 take what could be a major distraction and and do a little yoga jujitsu and and turn it into something that inspires people instead what so when you started pulling it together like where did you get all the ideas as as far as like what was actually going to be in the book like was it stuff that you felt like you had question when you were first teaching yoga and you were like, okay, well, if I had these questions, I, I, I'm sure other yoga teachers have them as well. Or, or how did you, how did you combine everything? Well, when I write a book, the, what I do is I pick a person that I, um, sort of visualize myself talking to. I know it sounds corny, but it works. Um, mm-hmm. and so like for my yellow brick road book, I visualized talking to my mom and I thought, how would I explain like yoga philosophy and mysticism to my mom without using any weird Sanskrit words and, and using the language that she's familiar with, which is the wizard of Oz. And so I just sort of, as I wrote it, I sort of thought, how would I explain this to my mom? (laughs) And, um, and with Yogi entrepreneur, I sort of visualized me getting into a little time machine and going back and talking to myself, my, you know, 20 year old self, just getting started as a yoga teacher and saying, you know, like, hey, would you like a little advice? <laughs> and it was, right. it is basically based on all the mistakes that I made, you know, and and also the, my observation of the the changing world of yoga. You know, when I started teaching yoga, no one had a website, no one had email. Certainly, Twitter wasn't anywhere on the horizon, and cool right. cool yoga teachers like Danny Pomploon weren't doing podcasting. <laughs> so it was it was just a very different type of world and um so it's it's part like stuff that is sort of eternal and like and some stuff that's just new and ever changing and that's why the three editions in a couple of years (laughs) the ink's barely dry and i have to update it to keep up with the times what's the what was the hardest part about writing the book um i think that some of it is just admitting how um, how much I screw up, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and also recognizing as I'm writing this book, this is my ideal, right? This is how I would like to run my yoga business, you know, and and really tweet on a regular basis and keep up with my podcast and do all of these things that are you know, I think really important and essential. And then life comes into play. Like my mom and my brother came to visit last week, which was awesome, but it took this big chunk out of my, my, my computer time and my time to like do my non-teaching work. And so I, I think it's a big part of it is recognizing it's like all the aspects of yoga, just that, it's about self-acceptance. Like we do what we can do. And some days we have more to give than others. But as I'm writing the book, I'm thinking I'm such a hypocrite, (laughs) such a hypocrite. 
What? Uh, so you said uh, you were just saying right now, like it's admitting like some of your, like the things that you messed up on. Like, what do you think was like the biggest mess up? I think if I could pin it down to one thing, it was my ego in the beginning. And, you know, when I when I teach in teacher trainings now, both the yoga tree teacher training and like I spoke to your group um, via um, Zoom or something. Um, when I, when I speak to new fledgling teachers, I always say it took me years to figure out that I am, I am the bell. I'm not the dog food. And people look at me like I'm crazy. And, and then I say, just like Pavlov's dog, he heard the bell and he heard the bell and got to eat dog food. He heard the bell and got to eat dog food. And then he started salivating when he heard the bell. Right. I think people come to yoga and they feel really good or they feel better. They get some sort of reprieve from the crazy that is their life or the suffering that they might be enduring in their life at any given moment. And they just sure. they feel better. They feel safe. And, and we live in a world that is sort of like the mirror image of what we try to create in the yoga space. And then but then they start to associate the benefits of yoga with me. I'm, I'm the bell. I just happen to be there lucky enough to witness it happening. And, uh, and they yeah, start yeah. to treat you as if you've got some magic voodoo power or something that you, you know, <laughs> and it's an understandable mistake for them to make. Um, we all make it. I remember the way I used to look at my first yoga teacher, you know, um, right. But I think when we as teachers start to believe that, it's it's like a sandpit. It's just really hard to get out of. Um, and it usually takes, you know, some real public humiliation to, <laughs> to, to recognize that, wow, I am human and I'm and I mess up. And the more I think I'm perfect, the more I mess up, you know, the more you can say, I, I you know, I'm sorry and I made a mistake the better off you, you seem to be. But we, we tend to want to live up to those false ideas that students have about us. How do you share that in your book? Um, well, I have a whole chapter about your greatest, um, your greatest resources yourself. And okay. basically, I, I just go, I sort of follow the Dale Carnegie model and, and talking about how... Um, the things we teach in yoga, you know, new teachers always focus on, did I get my alignment right? Was my sequencing okay? To which I say, who cares? <laughs> you know, I mean, no, you don't want to injure people. Alignment and sequencing and all of that is very, very important. But if you can't hold space for people, if you can't empower people and lift them up, and to the degree you are teaching from your ego, saying, look how great mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, wait, you didn't tell me how great I am. You didn't put lotus flowers at my feet yet. <laughs> it's right, the degree right, right. have that sort of mindset. You can't hold safe space for people. You can't empower people because you're too busy thinking, how can I make, how can I look cool in front of this group of people? As opposed at that point, to, you've, you've turned it into more about you than rather the student. Yeah, it should be the student show, not the Darren show or the Danny show, right? This is their yeah, time, not my time. They don't want to see my show. My show's a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it involve like a, a gold lame thong and a pole? 
That's on Monday nights, uh, but <laughs> Fridays is a whole different story. Okay, I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually. I don't want to know either. So let's get back into what since releasing your first your first edition of this book. What kind of feedback have you gotten? Not only from uh, like students that you, or rather teachers that you know, but also teachers that you don't know. Like anybody close to you and far from you. Like what what kind of things can? Yeah, well, what kind of things have you heard from from people after reading this book? You know, well, first, just the general response um, has been pretty overwhelming. When I wrote the book, I wrote it thinking. I would sell a few copies, but I didn't really expect it to do super well because it is a pretty niche audience. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of yoga teachers out there, but something like Urban Mystic is for students, it's for teachers, it's for people who are into all different kinds of yoga. Anybody who's ever thought about yoga, you know, it's that's sort of the audience. And when I wrote this book, I thought, this is just for yoga teachers, maybe studio owners, but... For the most part, it's it's a pretty narrow group, but it's selling like crazy. And the emails I get are almost overwhelming. I'm actually trying to figure out a way that I can manage that in a, in a different way. Sure. Um, and that's that's a great problem to have. I'm not complaining. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, um, totally. I, I think what what surprises me the most is how people are just really – hungry. I mean, they're really excited about yoga or they wouldn't have chosen to do a teacher training, become a yoga teacher and try and put themselves out there. Um, but when it comes to like that other piece, you know, they're really a lot of skilled yoga teachers with regard to the sequencing and alignment and choosing the right music and all of that. But then it comes to like inviting people to their class or making money. How do you, you know, how do you make money and not be a dick is, right, is a pretty right, big right. question, you know, because the, there seems to be the starving artist type of yogis that just never have two nickels to rub together. And then right. there's the other, you know, like the people who are just sort of strike you as a televangelist, always pushing something, selling something and, and finding that middle path. I think we really struggle with. So that's been a lot of it. Just people saying, thank you. I've been trying to figure out like how to manage this aspect of the business or that aspect of the business. Um, so it's, to- I mean, it, it's, to- I get that. It's totally, it's tough, you know, cause you don't want to be, I mean, you have to make a living, right? You have to, you have to, in order for you to share your teachings or, you know, for, for th- those of us that are super passionate about what we do, you know, like, and this is what we do full time. We, I think sometimes if I didn't, you know, if I didn't live in a monetary society, I would do it for free. You know, I would, this is the only thing I really want to do day in and day out. And I I do find that same, that same struggle. Like how do I continue to offer the things that I want to offer and not be pushy and not make people feel like it's something that they have to do, you know what I'm saying? But also how to, how to, how to continue to sustain myself because I live in San Francisco, which is, you know, the, the most expensive city in the nation right now. And they teach yoga, which we all know we're not making millions. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I have a, a section in the book where I talk about the difference between commercialism and capitalism. And I think mm-hmm. that it's a – for me, it was like this important realization. And, and that is like when you look at something that is basically useless, like a can of cola, <laughs> you don't need cola. No one died because they couldn't get a can of cola, right? Right. 
and, and there's nothing nutritionally valuable in it. There's no real reason to drink it. And so companies like Coke and Pepsi, they need to manufacture a need, which means they need to spend a lot of money showing you images of sexy people drinking it and skipping through fields and holding hands and like having a good time and everybody liking them to, to create a false narrative in your head that if you drink this product, you will be like these people. You'll be happy and healthy and um, all of that. Sure. But for sure. yoga, the things that yoga gives us, it gives us better health. It gives us spiritual groundedness. It gives us a more focused mind, helps us manage our emotional lives and process our emotions. I mean, there's the list of things that yoga can do for us are pretty endless. And those are all human needs. They're baked into the cake. Every human mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. wants to feel well in their body. Every human wants to feel less stress in their mind. Every human wants to feel more emotionally grounded and open, compassionate and loving. And some are better at finding it than others, but we all want those things. So the cell is pretty easy for us as yoga teachers. We don't have to lie. We don't have to twist arms. All you have to say is, do you want to feel better? Right. Do you want to be right. feel yeah. more open, more grounded, more centered? Do you want to get more done at work? I mean, pick your pick your angle, but it, none of it has to be untrue and none of it has to be pushy because the answer is already there. Yes, of course right. I don't want to be sick all the time. That makes it so much easier when you put it that way. Can, I'm going to have you repeat that slowly. I'm just kidding. And <laughs> <laughs> write it up. Next time I'm going to slowly, next... you don't have to buy the book. <laughs> Next, oh, that's very true. Next time, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna ha- sell a retreat or something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you, put you on speakerphone, and have you reiterate that to everybody. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. You know, people ask me, like, even when I'm just teaching regular classes, not just for teachers, like, how often do I need to meditate? And my answer is not. If you don't meditate every day, you're going to go to hell, <laughs> or some, you know, guilt trip. I just say, just on the days that you want to feel really good. You know, that's not, a really good point. None yeah. of us are perfect. We're all going to miss days when we don't practice or where we show up in our practice as sort of lackluster. We don't have a lot to give. But that's not the point. The point is, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you ask yourself the simple question, what kind of day do I want to have? I can guarantee you no one is going to say, I hope I have a really shitty day that's filled with stress where I'm unfocused and don't get anything done. And I snap a lot and I kick the dog when I get home because no one says that so what we're doing is we're providing that answer we're saying if you don't want to have that kind of day or you want to have you know we're all going to have frustrating experiences but if you want to have a better reaction to those challenges then get up and meditate get up and roll out your yoga mat even if it's for five minutes and when you do that you'll find that your day will go better you'll respond differently to the challenges of your day and that makes it so much easier for people to get out of bed and say you know i don't feel like rolling out my yoga mat i don't feel like getting to danny's class today i don't really have time i have this project but when they can honestly answer that question there's nothing left to sell they may choose to show up at your class or not but at least they're being conscious about it and they're probably choosing to do yoga more often than they're not. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I, when people ask me, you know, like even like how often do they want to practice or should they practice? I'm like, well, just one, you have to listen to your body. But two, it's also how does this make you feel? And how often do you want to feel like that? Yeah. It's, it's a really good and easy and easy point. Darren, I've got one more question for you. You ready? I'm ready. You are driving. Actually, let's say this. You have a billboard in the most busiest, the busiest intersection in the world, wherever that may be. What does your billboard say? Breathe. Not buy my book. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe and buy my book. (laughs) Breathe and then buy my book. (laughs) No, I I think that that is the key that unlocks everything. It, It. you know, just as you're in a yoga pose that you're struggling with and you're mentally resisting and then somewhere you remember to breathe or the teacher reminds you to breathe and all of a sudden that which was vexing, difficult, impossible, frustrating, pissing you off, is still all of those things except for you're not reacting to it because you you were breathing into it. And that doesn't end when you roll up your yoga mat. It it extends into sitting in traffic, looking at that obnoxious billboard telling you to breathe. (laughs) It it extends into your relationships, into your work life, into your – even the things that you do that are challenging. If you like surfing, tennis, golf, (laughs) you know, going for a hike, all of those things are enhanced when you breathe. And yet so few of us do it. You know, we do it unconsciously and shallow. And so if you just get everybody to stop, take a deep breath, the rest would take care of itself. I love it. I love it. Darren, thanks so much for uh, for taking some time out to chat with me today. Um, I am going to put your uh, Yogi Entrepreneur book in the show notes so that the yoga teachers that are listening can take a look at the copy maybe pick it up while they're uh and then put it on their uh their iphones or their devices they can listen to it while they're walking to their classes or you know whatever it is it's a really good book i've read it it's super awesome i highly 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 recommend it oh well you know i have to say before we go i'm really really proud of you you stumbled into my yoga class and you know when you first moved to the city um what four years ago uh almost four years ago yeah i think february of next year will be four years yeah and um you know, you didn't know anybody and you didn't have a teaching gig. I mean, you're from Southern California and you've, in four short years, you've become one of the prominent teachers in San Francisco. And you're too much. I'm incredibly <laughs> proud of you. Well, thank you. And I mean, all that because you read it, my book. All, all that, you guys, listen, all that, I am living proof that I read this book and that's how it, that's how it happened. Yeah. All you have to do is spoon with it at night. Put it under your pillow or spoon with it, and you'll like win the lottery. It's it's pretty amazing. I want that book again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Danny. Until the next Yogi Misfit session, this is Darren and Danny saying peace out. 